0: The Askell Business
1: Brunch. Hello and welcome to the Business Brunch podcast. My name's Hayley Dunn and I'm Askell's Business
0: Leadership Specialist. And I'm Louise Hatswell, Askell's Conditions of Employment Specialist.
2: And I'm Julia Handen and I'm Askell's Funding Specialist.
0: And it's been another very, very
1: busy month in terms of policy announcements and uh, developments and events happening, which have been really exciting. It was lovely to uh, be at the National School Awards on the, the 8th of uh, December. But there's, sort of, there's a few things that we'd like to update you on, and then we'll have a little bit of a conversation about some of the things that, that we've been thinking about recently. So, Julia, I know that um, you've been having some conversations around the school food review recently. It'd be really interesting to hear some more about that.
2: Thanks very much, Hayley. Yes, um, ASCAL are part of the School Review Working Group, which was a group established earlier um, in this year, the middle of 2021. And there are, it, it brings together several interested um, groups, including End Child Food Poverty Coalition, which is supported by Marcus Rashford, um, Bite Back 2030. Um, ASCAL is a, is a, a partner um, and, and a, a, several others. There's, there's a lot, um, a lot of people involved in that group and during the summer term um, the working group began gathering evidence to find out what needs fixing in terms of, of school food and we're looking at everything including um, entitlement, um, funding, accountability so it's a really quite um, I'm going to say root and branch because that's a phrase I haven't used for quite a while. The the idea, the, the, the sort of timeline for the group is that uh, we want to feed into uh, the DfE's Response or the government response, I should say, to the National Food Strategy. And the government are um, planning to issue a white paper um, alongside the National F- Food Strategy early in the new year, early in 2022. So I think it's really, really important that s- as school leaders we have an opportunity to contribute to the recommendations that that the school food review uh, group are going to be making. And as I say, they're likely to be um, around funding, entitlement and accountability. But what we know is that as school leaders, we will be um, at the sharp end, if you like, of implementing any of the proposals that are agreed and and, um, become um, a requirement from from the school's perspective. So... It's really important that this group represents um, contributors from all parts of the sector. So there's representation from catering groups, from local authorities, from from schools um, and leadership groups um, and the Soil Association, for example, are included. So every aspect that you can think of and the collaboration between all of those groups is really the, the best way to get some serious change, we think but the other side of that is i think that each representative group needs to be able to talk to their own members or look at it from their specifically their own perspective and have an opportunity to feed into the review that way so ASCAL have um, arranged a, a leaders round table at which the school food review uh, are going to be present and they're going to present in more detail on on the represent, on the uh, proposals so if there are any ASCAL members that would like to join uh, that there are a few spaces still available it's on the 12th of January and if you want to contact me at the tellers at uk, um, I'll be happy to um, respond to you and tell you a little bit more about it if that's of interest. We know that the National Governors Association are taking soundings we know that the catering organisations are, are looking and talking to their members and doing something similar so as I say, it's so important that school leaders get an opportunity uh to to consider the proposals from the role and the aspect that we have um looking after children and young people and our duty of care to them
1: that's really important julia i mean we've seen particularly through the covid period just the, the sort of the huge focus in the important, particularly for disadvantaged students, of the um, the need for, for food parcels, for free school meals. And I think it's really interesting to hear you talk there about the, the sort of organisations that are involved in that, because it, like you said, it's the sort of root and branch sort of looking at it. So taking it through almost from the growing and the supply chain through to what's done with those ingredients and those materials to turn them into healthy meals, to make sure then from an operational side as school leaders, that you've got the best. I mean, as, as business leaders, we really like a process, don't we? We like a slick, efficient process. And hopefully that will in will improve. Uh, I mean, we, we've all heard those from our, from our own younger years of, of how unhealthy at times meals could be and just how vitally important, particularly sort of focusing on our blueprint and our disadvantaged pupils, just how important it is to, to be able to provide healthy options for young people.
2: Yes, there's there really is a moment in time. I think I think there are, there are lots. The national food strategy clearly. Um, I think there are there's opportunities thinking of the sustainability agenda here. Um, as I say, the the breadth of organisations that are involved certainly the broadest group of, of representative bodies that I've ever been fortunate enough to to work with, and that in itself I think is really good for Askel.
1: I completely agree and I think particularly what you were just saying there about sustainability there's a perfect opportunity for us at the moment to reflect on the policy and the developments that you're seeing within that strategy and how that tallies with the DfE's draft strategy on climate change and sustainability because there is a big focus within that strategy uh, with uh, with food, with food waste and we know that children and young people really care about those things as well so I think we need to be uh, making sure that some of those policies are cohesive and I think I'd really encourage um, any members that are listening that are really interested in those areas to get in touch and to put themselves forward as potential um, delegates to, to join on your group because it's it's one of those um, one of those sort of unique opportunities isn't it to influence policy of the future
2: I think it is yes yeah I really I really do think it is so yes yeah, so yes please say so get in touch at tell us at if you're interested in that as an ASCAL member
1: fantastic and uh, louise it's been a it's been a busy uh, time for us as well we've had uh, the latest task and finish group looking at school business leaders pay um, conditions and recognitions what can you tell us from the latest meeting
0: uh, I think that the latest meeting we could have done with a much longer session because it was just so engaging. Um, we're looking at conditions. We looked at pay at uh, the last meeting and the ca- uh, council ratified a new position statement on pay, which we talked about last time. And we're now looking at look, uh, a position statement around uh, conditions for school business leaders. Um, I think you know the, the, the wide range of um, experiences that we've got that were represented uh, as both employers, because we've got a really good broad representation on the group, have CEOs, head teachers, business leaders, from trusts, from individual academies and from uh, maintained primaries and secondaries. So we've got all uh, a variety covered there. But the experiences range literally from one extreme to the other. So I think one of the things that really came through strongly was how flexible working is a a really, really fantastic tool for recruiting and retaining school business leaders. But actually, um, you know, some of the, the business leaders, that were uh, involved, Some the experiences were very different in that some schools are very, very proactive with flexible working and actually realise that this is something that can really extend well to business leaders, to those in those business leader roles. But some of them have got a very straight. You no, know, this everybody needs to be in school to do the work. So I think that you know, there's a, a, it's about how we we kind of assist those schools in transitioning into that proactive approach. Uh, and I think it's something that's going to become much more uh, of a focus on. There's going to be much more of a focus on it. Uh, the government have recently launched and consulted on making flexible working default. Uh, and the consultation closed on the 1st of uh, December. And a couple of things in there were um, were really quite um, important uh, aspects of flexible working. One of them is that uh, they're looking to make flexible working a day one right for anybody that's employed so that they will all have the right to submit a flexible working request from their first day with an employer. Currently, you've got to be employed for 26 weeks before you can con- uh, submit a flexible working request. But the other one that I think is really going to be key is that uh, everybody will have to make, if they can't grant the flexible working requests that are submitted, the employer will have to suggest an alternative. So they, they will be able to say, no, this won't work. What you've requested won't work, but we can do this instead. Whereas at the minute, if you're saying it can't work, you just say no. So uh, it makes a a quite a different uh, approach from, you know, employers have got to, which, you know, we would recommend that they should be looking at that anyway, because you shouldn't just be saying, no, it's very hard and fast. This is what they want. You know, it's a a, part of trying to play on the the actual name. You know, it is about being flexible in all aspects so that you might not be able to grant everything that somebody puts in, but look at the bits you can and see if there's a, you know, may not be that it's particularly a certain day or a certain um, time that somebody wants off. Uh, you know, if they want to work, they're not necessarily going to look for part time. It might be condensed, compressed hours or something like that. So it's about having that conversation and seeing what you can do and having a trial, you know, seeing what works. But I think you've also got to remember that it's it will be very different for different members of staff. And that's absolutely fine, you know, to look at each indication in each case individually. And for our school business leaders, I think to to kind of make them aware, actually, this is something you can use to make your job make your work-life balance so much better is to actually put your own request in it doesn't necessarily need to just be parents you know if you, it's historically been seen as that people returning from maternity leave, but anybody can put a flexible working request in and the reasons don't you know they don't need to fit a certain criteria whatever makes your life better is a is a justifiable reason for putting a flexible working request in so I'd encourage our business leaders to look at that and see that actually that is something that can work We we often see that business leaders get kind of the short end of the stick, you know, with um, terms and conditions and pay, you know, they don't have the all the holidays uh, in the same way that some of the teaching contracts do. I know people work in the holidays, but it's a different to be contracted to actually physically be in work in the holidays. It's a very different thing. Um, but this is actually something that they can use to their advantage. So I would really encourage school business leaders to look at it for themselves and anybody within their teams and see what can be, you know, what can be achieved we've talked before about annualized hours you know that work, works could work really really well for school business leaders where there are those really heavy times of the year where there's um, year, financial year end or in the summer when there's the building works happening you could work longer times then and then work some shorter days you know through times of the year we're not saying it's quieter quiet at any times but it will be quieter you know there will be times where it is quieter and allow you to have some shorter days then maybe in the summer you, could, you know you could work some half days or uh, just as long as you've got those hours in and I think it's important to make sure that you see this as additional and separate to leave annual leave because I'm quite aware that a lot of people don't book their annual leave and it's really important to get that in but this is something different you know it's not working through your holidays it's doing extra hours that you're actually contracted for and working less hours that you are contracted for at another point within the year so I think it's something that could be really really beneficial to members and it's there are so many different aspects to flexible working. Um, you know working from home just in my role as a school business leader working across three schools at certain times of the year I worked from home one day a week and the difference that made to my my role was unbelievable when I was doing budget setting for three schools it was just invaluable to be able to do that we've all seen now over the last almost two years now it's now clocking up it can be really effective to work from home you know and, and actually we've all seen that we've probably all got now we have got the technology to allow it so the barriers that were once there are now should be a lot lower so um i think it's just i would really implore our business leader members to to look at that and see if they could use that for themselves and for the teams to help them be more effective more happier and more uh, you know feel more content with the role and the work-life balance and helpful with re- retention one of the um People in the meeting one of the task and finish group members actually include the uh, these the potential for flexible working and the things that they would consider in the adverts so that they're, they're getting that message straight out there so you're you're attracting those people who wouldn't you know if they need to work flexibly would never look at a job that doesn't say that. So I just think I would really, really urge them to look at it. It's something that all employers are going to have to look at a lot more closely. But I think for business leaders to look and see if they can make some of that work for themselves that's really
1: interesting that there was a bit in there where you were talking about the 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 policy change which feels like a quite a step change to me in terms of that it won't you won't just be able to give a straight no that there'll need to be some sort of consultation and other options considered so i mean we've talked when we've done some of the professional development sessions recently for our pd about that schools and colleges and trusts have really got to grasp the nettle on this because i think we're seeing as well i think we're seeing the impact starting to hit of a bit of a perfect storm really we're seeing the impact of covid we're seeing some staff who were thinking actually i've i've stayed on but now i'm going to retire i think there's there's it's a there's a great buoyant recruitment market out there and I, I i just wonder do you think if if schools and colleges and employers don't grasp this they're storing up a bit of an issue when actually this is a huge opportunity for them
0: Absolutely, uh, and we see you know seeing an anecdotally that st- schools are really struggling to recruit to support staff roles now because that exactly that they are seeing those other roles are actually are now moving to working from home or remote working, hybrid working as a you know as the norm, uh, and then they're going back to the jobs. Whereas because schools have once they became fully open, things reverted to how they were before. You know, they've seen actually it does work really well for me and it actually makes a big difference. Just that not having to commute, you know, even if it's only two days a week that you work from home, the, the commute, the saving of that time if for people, not having to go on public transport, things like that, it makes such a difference to your day. And until you've not done it, you you, you don't realise. And I think people now will look at things completely differently till to, to how they did pre-pandemic. And I think now people are starting to realise what's important and realising that that work-life balance actually does matter you know and the time to be able to it might be that you want to spend some time with parents or grandchildren or whatever you know on certain times of the week or you might just want to be able to finish early to collect children from school or something and some of the a lot of those other jobs offer all those sort of opportunities so i think we really do need to grasp uh as you say grasp the nettle on it i think it's really difficult in certain roles to 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 have a hard and fast what works you know but i think it's it's got to be about having those conversations and being proactive trying to talk to people there's a very reactive approach to flexible working in in many employers where you know there'll be a flexible working policy that's probably in a folder somewhere that's kept in somebody's office that's not left out on view because they really really hope that nobody puts an application in and it's about moving from that to actually when you're having those line management discussions asking people is there anything that would make your working life better you know is that how's your work-life balance have you thought about flexible working and starting to have those conversations and and leading you know if you're those leadership roles if you if people see school leaders working flexibly and doing it successfully actually that's you know setting that example and role modeling that's that's really really important and we've got some uh, case studies on our website from some school leaders that are you know successfully working flexibly the dfe have got some as well like co-headships and things like that so just that the, there are absolutely um you know hundreds of different variations that you could have so i think if employers don't get to grips with it they'll be getting to grips with a much bigger problem which will be that they won't have enough staff they just will not be able to recruit because then they not only will lose the staff that are going to that they will also then the staff that they will want to replace those staff with will also be looking at those other jobs so something they've really got to get to grips with.
1: And one of the ideas that I really like that you suggested when you were talking about how employers might actually take this on is that idea of trialling it because one of the things that I think is a barrier is that sort of um, presenteeism and those sort of trust issues and I think doing a trial and it might be say a a one month or a three month trial something like that where you give it a go and see how it works for both parties I think just gives a fantastic opportunities for both sides to experience it and to see what the the sort of the, the costs and the benefits and the downsides and the positives are from it. Um, rather than just saying, no, it's not going to work, is actually just giving that opportunity for something to be tried and tested. I I think that would work really, really well. And I'm just wondering, I'm sure I've seen that you've done a a really interesting article recently. If If listeners want to read a bit more about this, where can they find that?
0: Uh, yeah, that's uh, for secondary education that I did that sec ed. So it's uh, you can find it via their website, or I think there's a link to it on our website as well. And I think one of the other things to uh, just for schools to be aware of, the D- DFE are really really on board with this uh, as a strategy. It's come out of the recruitment and retention strategy, and um, they've set up uh, eight flexible working ambassador schools who will support schools if they're wanting to look, you know, wanting to look more into flexible working. They will help them with strategies and promotion. Uh, and also uh, how to um, overcome some of those we we said barriers some of them are are barriers some of them are perceived barriers because they're just what people think is a barrier to doing something some some are linked to the timetable and we know some of those things are challenging but they're not necessarily a barrier and they're they're flexible working ambassador schools will work with schools to help them overcome those and i think
1: we realize as as well that things are difficult in some contexts at at the moment and i think as much if you're one of those business leaders that is thinking that they'd like to do this is to put that proposal together to help your employer to make it um, almost make it an easy sort of consideration a decision for them because there is an awful lot going on in schools and at the moment. we completely recognize that but you can really help by framing it by by helping your employer to understand fully what you're looking for um, how it might impact on the rest of the team what sort of modeling might look like so if there's some sort of um, joint arrangements uh, how um, tasks or roles or duties will be be covered I think working through some of those things and thinking those through for yourself yourself will really help those conversations when you come to talk to your employer about it
0: yeah i think that that's really good advice and i think also to maybe consider what are your non-negotiables that the things that you absolutely if it's going to work for you this absolutely must happen but actually these aren't really important you know if you're wanting to do let's say a nine day fortnight you're not really you don't really mind which day it is that you don't work but, you know, you definitely only want to do nine days or, you know, there are there are things that you might want to consider. You you only want to work from homes. And it's about whether you keep, uh, you know, you have a day where you work from home. So you you need that you won't be available for any meetings on those days. So it's about looking at things like that. So, yeah, just think about what your non-negotiables are and the things that you can negotiate. And then and it is about having that conversation, really, you know, just talk about it, what what your um things that you perceive might challenging through that time and what how you would how they would be addressed so you've gone with some of the solutions as well as uh you know presenting an alleged problem (laughs)
1: yeah absolutely i think that that's so right to have that conversation like you said there's a lot of information the department for education are really on board with this um and i and i think schools and trusts are just they're just going to have to get on board with this otherwise we're storing up and i think we're already seeing some glimmers of that already um the sort of recruitment and retention issues with particularly as you said louise within those support staff type roles because there's some fantastic um opportunities out there for people at the moment and we don't want to lose those fantastic individuals from our from our schools and colleges so it's, um, it's been an interesting time. I mean, normally it could, it, you'd expect it to be quietening down at this sort of time, but actually we've seen quite a flurry of announcements. Um, just a couple of things that, that I was going to share with um, listeners. Uh, one example is the ESFA have updated their good practice guide, um, the procurement jargon buster. So if you're one of those people who doesn't know what terms like aggregation, contracting authority, force majeure, what those things sort of mean, there's a really, really useful jargon buster that will not only explain what the terms mean but how they apply to academies. Now if you're a maintained school and thinking oh that's only for academies, um, it's worthwhile having a look because it explains some of those um, terms in terms of what they mean as as a conceptual um, sort of format so really worth having um, a look at because procurement is such a big part of, of what we have to do now within schools and similarly for those that have heard you probably talk more than you'd li- or heard me talk more than you'd like to hear about ventilation there's a new CCS framework that came out yesterday so that's Monday the 13th of December that came out Um, with some new information on the um, air filtration um, systems so we know that there was a very very short window for special schools to apply to get a funded dfe unit but they've also released that um, information out into the marketplace they're not cheap we understand that if you are one of those schools particularly who has a lot of classrooms or a lot of blocks that, that need support to improve ventilation it could end up costing you a significant amount of money so it is something that we will keep pushing the dfe on funding these units so that that schools can can actually uh, deal with this because for us it's 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 a bit it's a bit like asbestos really it's a national issue that that we should be getting a better a better response and and that there should be better support for our schools and colleges um, so just to talk about something a little bit more cheerful, um, it was an absolute pleasure last week that I had the opportunity to go along to the National Schools Award, and that was on the, the 8th of December. And it feels a little bit odd. So we're on the 14th of December today when we're recording this episode. And I was saying to Louise and Julia before we came um, came online to record this, that even within a week well, it's, not, it's not even really a week it feels like the mood has changed we, we've seen a lot of announcements over the weekend to do with the Omicron variant and, and how that's spreading and how that um, the, the medical officers are, are issuing some some warnings and some guidance on that um, and it almost seems a little bit strange to be talking about events because I feel I'm um, saying personally I've had a couple of social events that have been cancelled that I was really looking forward to but actually really understanding that we've all got to keep each other safe but but it was really nice to be at that event so so I do want to talk about it because I do think it 's so important that we celebrate school leaders and we celebrate schools that are doing fantastic things um, um and it was absolutely amazing to see um Alison, who was the the winner of the school business leader of um, the Year award and to meet some of the the nominees and to 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 have an opportunity to celebrate and uh, as part of the event, we heard from baroness baron who who came to to talk and to give her thanks to to those that had been uh, nominated and, and to those uh, winners, and it was just it was really nice. I, th- I think there could have been endless numbers of of winners because there are so many people doing fantastic things within schools. But it's it's really nice to see those sort of events happening and and seeing good things um, being shared. And it really made me think about just reflecting on how the. Sort of mood music has has changed within the last couple of days, and and how um, how we're reacting to that. Just to think about the last twelve months, if we if we think about where we were in say over over Christmas and and January last year, that's when we had the big an- announcements about mass testing coming in, and then in January uh, schools were going back. Then they weren't going back. Then they were going back, but only for key worker and vulnerable children. Then we all got to grips with mass testing and the primary workforce doing home testing and i think i think i just wanted to pay tribute to just how amazing that everybody's adapted like like we were talking about the um our annual conference so obviously we're planning now for our ascolt annual conference 2022 but our annual conference for this year that moved online was just phenomenal and just adapted into something that was absolutely fantastic and I just wonder whether you guys share that in just how you've seen schools and school leaders change and how things are so different now
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I I agree I think you know if, if we'd looked back two years ago and said that school leaders are, oh well everybody in schools were going to be looking at the workload that was going to come in Uh, that's been related to the pandemic and it's not all necessarily COVID related but it's the impact that COVID's had on different areas like exams and finance and things like that Um, and they said you were going to do that as well as everything else that everybody was doing you would have just said it's not possible and you know as schools do it was possible it shouldn't have all been put on them with as little support as they've been provided with but Uh, you know as we see uh, with everything that they're faced every challenge that they're faced they they come through don't they you know and we see I've seen a couple of anecdotal tweets from school leaders that are saying you know we're limping through to the finish line we're just going to get there but I think I see that and think yeah but you get to the finish line you know you've done it so I think it's just it's absolutely i don't like to use the word unprecedented but it is isn't it you know we've never seen anything like it you couldn't have prepared i don't think anything would have prepared us for it might have prepared you for one aspect but it's almost been like two years of crisis management which is just not sustainable so i i just think um people need to Take, try and take a step back and just focus on what they actually have done. Because I know as a business ex business leader myself, they will all be thinking, yeah, but I haven't done that report, I haven't done that, I didn't get that in on time, I didn't get. That is small small scale in the scheme of things. When you look back at those huge things that they've set up, to do one of those within a normal academic year would have been a massive achievement, and you wouldn't have planned for more than one of those because it wouldn't have been viable. But we've they've done it all. So I think just to take a step back and focus on what they have they have actually achieved uh, and it's, it is phenomenal it's absolutely phenomenal you know so I think uh, and just to try and um kind of keep that in mind and, and focus on that but then and give themselves a bit of a break and make sure they do take a break but to me I just think I take my hat off, you know, as an ex-business leader, I know the things that w- that have happened over the last 20, 20 24 months that would have impacted on me in my role as a business leader. And, you know, I probably think the majority of them would have landed on the business leader's desk at some point in that process, uh, <laughs> if not all of them. So I would just think to say a huge well done to, to everybody working in schools, but particularly... Uh, school leaders and school business leaders.
1: I completely agree, and I think we are so in sync. I was going to say something very similar, and particularly on the way that we, the way that we travel, the way that we work, the way that we meet. I think we can all take a moment to sort of reflect on what's working well for us, and actually what we want to uh, to, to to refine and what we want to keep. I think, particularly for me, as a I'm a primary school maintained primary school governor, I really like the hybrid model. For being um, a governor because still have those opportunities to go into school, so it's still got some sight of what's happening in school. But it means that participation is better. It's I find it easier to keep those meetings to time because you start at the time that, that you're going to and you can you can make sure that you're moving through the agenda items at a at a reasonable pace. Um, I think it gives much more collaboration opportunities. I think what I hope will happen in terms of the way that of developing how we can use tools is I sometimes feel for me that it's sometimes like if you're doing something a bit more creative, I feel that. You haven't quite got those tools that, and and it might be my it might be my age that I'm not I'm not adapting as well to working online. But I just feel that you miss something sometimes from being in a room from people. So my hope is that we go we go back to hybrid ways of working that we have opportunities um, to to meet together. And it was really interesting when we were talking in the task and finish group with um, a CEO who leads a, a reasonable size trust. Who was talking about how they onboard their staff and how there's a place for the things that can be done online but there's also a place for them for the things that can be done collectively so they were talking about how they are still using that onboarding for training staff to do that face to face to bring people together to give them an opportunity to, to, to physically meet and also that they felt it was really important for when you're doing that sort of initial onboarding those little questions where you think You wouldn't phone somebody to ask that. But if you're in the same room, you think, oh, I'll just ask that question quickly. So I think thinking about how we can embrace some of those things just to improve what we do. And I think it's always uh, always doing things with purpose as well. And and just thinking, is there a purpose to this and and is this the best way to to do this and whether we can keep just refining and improving on what we're doing? And I think we've seen it as well with um, what we offer for PD. I mean, we quite often now will do offer a live stream on the sessions that we're doing, but all those sessions are recorded and there's opportunity then for school leaders to to buy the package or to buy the session and to access it at a time that works for them. Because we know, like Louise, we had the task and finish group the other day and we had a couple of people along who were hugely polyagetic that they couldn't make it, which we completely understood because we know how busy it can be in schools. But there's opportunity to catch up, isn't it? Even if you can't be at something live, you can share materials so that you don't lose that that opportunity for collaboration and those people's voices to be included. Um, so that's um, the end of this episode a huge thank you for joining us I mean we only launched this I think it was February we did our first episode so if you're enjoying this if you like it if there's something that you'd like to hear myself, Julia and Louise uh, talk about please do email us at tellus at We, the three of us wish you all the very best for the festive period and for the new year ahead and thank you for listening to us
0: The askle Business Brunch